This is a life. It's beautiful in it, our yeah. kid. Do you want a beer? Do you want a little oh, coffee? Yeah. <laughs> Afternoon cheekies. Oh, this is good. You were careful though, I don't want to rock the boat here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I nearly went in. Yeah, watch me rod. Watch me rod. <laughs> <laughs> That's popular. Oh, they're still cold. Nice. Oh, I'll just pop top off for you. Yeah, well, Chin chin. We do it well and all. Cheers, my friend. A few more. A cod. I want a cod next. Do you want a cod? Yeah, I've had my mackerel and just one cod. That would be. There's nothing quite like fishing in cracking coals. Yeah. On a calm day like this, it's just sweet. Oh, sweet as. It's just the best, isn't it? I love it. <laughs> what's that in the water over there? Is it a cod? It could be a cod, I think it could be a but wait. Oh, it's nice. It's got like a big fin on it there. What kind of fin? I don't know. It's coming straight for the boat, man. Sharky fin. I don't know. I'm not very good. I don't know my fins very well. But well, it's, it's coming, coming out, out of yeah. Matt. What I do value it. I don't think they're, they're, they're always good with boats. They don't go for boats. Oh, he's yeah. rammed us, bloody oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Get rowing, man. He's rowing. Oh, me tinny. Oh, me tinny. Row. Row. Get close to the shot. Oh, man. That's good going. Oh, they're all rammed up. I'll be right, man. Check me. Oh. Oh no, me mackerel! Oh, me no. little boar! I've only had it two weeks! Your little boar's all wrapped in. What we need to do, we need to get back up on it. The proper chopped it to bits. We need to get back up to Kraken Cove now. Find out what the bloody hell's been going on. We don't get sharks this Strange stuff, strange stuff. Well, don't you worry, mate. I'm gonna sort it. I'm gonna get you sorted out. What I'll do is. I'll do a bit of casting. Yeah, please. Cheer me up. Tell me mind off it. Yeah, so what I'll do will be a bit, because what I like to do, I like to do a bit of casting out my light at Kraken Cove. It's the podcast that shines a beacon onto the bazaar. It certainly is. And I'm Matt. And I'm Benny. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to find out what the bloody hell's going on, because that boat just got completely and utterly nagged. <laughs> it's an infestation of sharkies. <laughs> do you know what? I don't think there were sharkies. <gasps> Let's find out what's been going on. So this first story, right? Scientists are baffled by orcas ramming sailing boats near Spain and Portugal. Oh, orca killer whales. So that, I reckon that's what's happened to us oh. now. That's what's happened to you. So little... I've seen whales, I know. I've always wanted to see a whale. Oh, I didn't man. want to see them knacking me boat, but at least I've seen them. Well, you haven't. Oh. <laughs> Why aren't orcas whales? Orcas aren't whales, mate. No, oh, no wow. they're part of the dolphin family. All right. Didn't so they're just like a mega dolphin. Wow. That's what they are. There's a mega dolphin, you know. Well, we know what dolphins are always trouble around oh, here. No, that's it. So it's like that's the problem. Maybe that's what's happened. Yeah, Maybe ganging up. To be ganging up. You Matt know. paid for him, you know, like some heavies. Well, let's see what's <laughs> been going on here. Let's find out what's the, what the score is. So this is by Susan Smiley from the Observer. That's a good name. Ooh, it's it's a like a bit of that, yeah. Cheery girl. And so she writes here: When nine killer whales surrounded the forty-six foot boat that Victoria Morris was crewing in Spain. On the afternoon of 29th of July, she was elated. The biology graduate taught sailing in New Zealand and is used to friendly orca encounters. But the atmosphere quickly changed when they started ramming the hull, spinning the boat 180 degrees, disabling the auto helm and engine. Whoa. 
the 23-year-old watched bits of broken boat float away, <laughs> leaving the four-person crew without steering, drifting into the Gibraltar Straits shipping lane between Cape Trafalgar and the small town of Barbados. Oh, crikey. Can you imagine no. that? Well, I can imagine it because we've had a little bit there, but we were closer to all. Nothing. We? I, I don't think we're bloody... Well, I say nine of these things. Oh, can you imagine? Oh, my God. Do we know what kind of vessel she's got? Well, it's a 46-foot boat, so it's yeah, a pretty big yeah, boat, yeah. is that, you know? The pod of killer whales rammed the boat for more than an hour, during which time the crew were too busy getting the sails in, readying the life raft, and radioing a mayday orca attack to feel fear. The moment fear kicked in, Morris says, was when she went below decks to prepare a grab bag, the stuff you take when abandoning ship. The noise was really scary, she said. They were ramming the keel. There was this horrible echo. I thought they would capsize the boat. And this deafening noise as they communicated, whistling to each other. It was so loud that we had to shout. Oh, that is horrifying. Jaws, just one shot ramming it. Yeah. It's just so scary, yeah. innit? Nine, bang, bang, they're talking. Yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, but that's it. It's like nine jaws attacking oh, this. It's just God. mental. Because, and you think of the size-wise as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. These heavy-duty stuff. Huh? Orcas eat bloody killer whales for breakfast, literally. Oh, they do God. eat killer whales. Well, I thought orcas were killer whales. I like either. <laughs> You've got one. <laughs> great whites. They eat great whites. Great white sharks. Yeah, they eat great white sharks. For brekkie. Yeah, they, they munch them up totally. So it's Whoa. like... The crew waited a tense hour and a half for rescue. Perhaps understandably. The Coast Guard took time to comprehend. <laughs> you are saying you are under attack from Orca? <laughs> <laughs> to say this is unusual is to say the least. But by the time help arrived, the orca were gone. The boat was towed to Barbate, where it was lifted to reveal the rudder missing its bottom and third outer layer, and teeth marks all along the underside. So what they're saying is the scientists don't know why it's happening. They have no idea, you know what I mean? But because they're sort of like related to dolphins, they're highly intelligent and social animals are orcas, largest of the dolphin family, yeah. and behave in a similar way. So they're just living yeah, pods yeah. and things like this, you know. It is normal, they say, that uh, orcas will follow a close to the propeller, so they'll go behind that, you know. Yeah. Even holding the rudder is not unheard of, so they do sort of play yeah, with yeah. boats, they interact with boats and things like that. Inquisitive you know? with it, yeah. Yeah. But Morris's was only one of several encounters between late July and August. Six days earlier, Alfonso Gomez Jordan Martin. <laughs> well said. A 31-year-old from Alicante was crewing a delivery boat near Barbay for the same company, Reliance Yacht Management. They were proceeding under engine when a pod of four orcas brought the 40-foot Benator, the boat, hmm. to a halt. He filmed them. It looks more like excitement and curiosity than aggression but even this bumping down down into the rudder so yeah, they yeah. look like they're just a bit more frisky this time yeah, yeah. but even so because they're so bloody massive yeah, tons of yeah, and the force increased he says over 50 minutes another hour long wow. attack once we were stopped they came in faster 10 to 15 knots from a distance of about 25 meters Powering up on them. Yeah, so they're coming oh. from 25 metres, we're getting a run up, boom, into them. Wow. The impact tipped the boat sideways. Oh, crikey. Can you imagine that, man? <laughs> <laughs> At 11.30pm the previous night, Beverly Harris, a retired nurse from Derbyshire, and her partner, Kevin Large, <laughs> 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 were motorcycling their 50-foot boat, Kailani, just off Barbate at 8 knots, and they came to a sudden standstill. It was flat calm, pitch black, and they thought they'd hit a net. Oh, so they didn't stop, it just went boosh, just, just everything just, stopped. Just, just slow to a stop and just it was suddenly wow. halted, right? I scrambled for a torch, she says, and I was like, bloody hell, they're orcas. The couple checked their position and found the boat pointing the opposite way. They tried to correct several times, but the orcas kept spinning them oh, back. Oh. <laughs> I had this weird sensation, Harris says, like they were trying to lift the boat, and it lasted about 20 minutes, but felt much longer. And we thought, 
We've sailed across the Atlantic. Surely we're not going to sink now. Their rudder was damaged, but got them to uh, La Ligne. It was a long night. Kevin said I should get some sleep, and I said, Are you joking? I'm having a gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> While enjoying her drink, Harris could have spared a thought for Nick Giles, having a sleepless night alone after an almost identical encounter off Barbay just two and a half hours earlier. He was motor sailing and playing music, which sounds just great, doesn't it? You know what I mean? When he heard a sudden bang, like a sledgehammer, is how he put it. The wheel was turning with incredible force as the vessel spun 180 degrees, dislodging the auto helm and steering cables. The boat lifted up about half a foot and was pushed by a second whale from behind, he says. While resetting the cables, the orca hit again, nearly chopping off my fingers in the mechanism. He was pushed around without steering for about 15 minutes before they left him. That's a long 15 minutes now, isn't it? Just getting beat up and spun and that by orcas. I know. Just, and they don't know what's going on. That's the thing. They're, they're just Because they're, they're bit, usually they'd be very friendly with people. Yeah. They know what boats are about. They've kind of got used to that kind of thing. But something's making them aggressive. Yeah, I tell you what's always weird. You know when people go whale watching and like the humpback whale. Like, yeah, yeah, on, yeah, you yeah. know, And you're thinking, God, they're really they're nice to us, the whales. Aren't they say yeah, we've been so yeah, horrible yeah. to them. It's, That's like, it, yeah. wow. it's almost like we've made peace with them somehow. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And but, they're so delicate normally, aren't they? But, but then, now this is something else. The orcas have decided to attack and turn, you know. But before all this, there been a couple of kind of harmless encounters. On 20th of July, Martin Chambers, a yacht master from All Aboard Sailing Academy. <laughs> Come off it, mate. He's doing it for the uniform, isn't he? Is, he? <laughs> All Aboard Captain. <laughs> and he, he was unconcerned when they were joined by a pod again near Barbait. One individual had hold of the rudder and stopped us moving the boat, he says. That's the first time I've seen them do that. It seems the encounters increased in intensity, but it's also worth considering that different boat constructions can suffer different outcomes. So some boats are quite fragile and some yeah, quite yeah. tough. So they might have been arsing around with one of these boats thinking it's the best fun in the world. Yeah. Next thing they're chomping up something that's quite light- lightweight. It yeah. doesn't bother. But to be honest, having a 25 metre run up and smacking into the side yeah. of any boat, yeah. you know, it's, it's gone, gone past play. And, yeah. It's gone past play, yeah. So the actual uh, orcas in the Gibraltar Straits, right, uh, they're endangered, these ones. Right. There's a f- um, fewer than 50 individuals left. With a cont- Sorry, 50 or 50. 50. Right. 50, yeah, so, yeah, that's all there is, yeah. So they're saying that it's uh, with continuing decline projected. So then they're re- thinking that the adults and juveniles are sustaining injuries, suffering from f- uh, food scarcity and stuff like that. So even like now, I think what's... One of the theories is, I think they think they might put two and two together. Yeah. Like boats... Are stealing all our fish, yeah, and they're getting you know the, the we're dying, we're dying, yeah. we're getting we're getting injuries from it and things like that. You know what I mean? And you, you can't blame them, can you? You, you can't know? at all when you look at it like that. The, the endangered, there's only fifty left. Yeah, this it, is it. And they're so clever out the dolphins. You think they've they've got to be cleverer, aren't they? Well, I think I think so. They're, they're bigger, highly, highly intelligent animals. But you see, the orca keep going to those particular areas for just one thing, to feed, you see. Because yeah. that's where the bluefin tuna is. Ah. That's where they like to hunt those. But the and, and the straits are like a really important migratory route for the tuna. Right? And um but the thing is So the uh, the uh, bluefin tuna arrive in the med about July, about this sort of listen this yeah. time, you know. And um So the, what they do, they change the fishing technique to the fishermen. So they switch to what are called drop lines, baited with fish and lowered with rocks. Yeah. So you have like a line with hooks on it, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And that's how they get the tuna that time. So it's like, they call it an artisanal te- technique. It's like an old way of yeah. doing things, you know. But it's far less hot, harmful than trawling uh, or drift nets or anything Good, like that. Good, because that is green as trawling. Yeah, but what they do, they look for, they look for orca at the time to the fishermen ah. looking for orcas and they target the orca because they think that must be tuna under the pods because yeah. they think oh right there's orca where there's orca there's tuna let's nick some of their fish wow sort of they have they've evolved haven't yeah, they yeah so that's the, that's the thing well these are the fishermen yeah. so the fishermen are looking. exactly yeah. I'm thinking the whales are just thinking oh yeah every time we start you know feeding frenzy and getting in there boats start ruining it all that's exactly what yeah. seems to be occurring you know the, the, pr- offensive. the issue they have here as well is that the um the, the mindset of the fishermen is 
they do that, they look for the, the orca, and then they turn around and say, they consider the orca as stealing the tuna. Oh. So I think that's what seems yeah. to be happening here, is I, because this has been going on from so, for so long now. Yeah. I think the Orca have just turned, they've decided we're had enough. Yeah, gone on the offensive, isn't it? Thinking, listen, we've got to do something, guys. Throw I'm chatting away. I mean, have you ever seen, have you ever read the book Kraken Wa- The Kraken Waves? Oh, it's ace. It's, it's such a good book. It it's one of my favourites. And to see it's so fresh now, the sci fi, I won't give it away, you know what I mean? But what, how that it comes about, you think, God, that's never been in a film or anything. It could look awesome, that all the I, I, yeah. Well, I think it could. I think it'd make an absolutely amazing Yeah, film. done but, right. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. it, you know. The, f- the stories persist of fishermen stunning orcas with electric prods, oh. throwing lit petrol cans at them, cutting dorsal fins. Oh. So, the, the, oh. so these fishermen are just uh, the turning. The animals. Well, that's it. They're, t- they're turning these lovely, amazing animals savage. Yeah. So now, the, quite right, the orca are turning, they're fighting back. We've got to keep a watch on this one. We've got to keep get... a watch on them. We've got a sea war going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I'll, the only one I want to win, I want the orca to win. Oh, let's get another boat. We can give him an hand. Well, I don't know now because they turned on us. We can't go out there. They won't want to know. Maybe oh. what we need to do is get like a big orca suit. <laughs> <laughs> a two man orca suit. Two man underwater orca suit. I know, because I know I'm a bit tail. I know hey, it. Well, you get my gassy little farts all over you. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's whale song? You're like, Boo! What's that? Oh, it's a hot squeaker. <laughs> <laughs> and it stinks of egg. <laughs> Well, do you know what the date is today? It is 14th. Well done, 14th of yeah. September today. You know, it's a very important day today, you know. Ah. Because this is the day when we changed uh, calendars. Oh, right, from the, is it Georgian? A Gregorian. The Gregorian. Right. Yeah, so, <laughs> but we'll have a little look, see, we'll, we'll have a little look, a read of this to see what it is, because this, this amused me immensely to this. Cool. Right. So the Gregorian calendar is today's international calendar. Yeah. That's what we yeah. use at the moment. It's named after the man who first introduced it in February 1582, Pope Gregory the Eighth. Oh, fair play. Oh, no, thirteenth. Thirteenth. X one one one. That's thirteen, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Pope. I can never understand that with popes. What? Oh yeah. What, what? Pope Gregory the Thirteenth. I haven't. Pope been. Gregory the Thirteenth. So there's yeah. been thirteen Gregory. Thirteen Gregories. That's ridiculous. Yeah, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. But Pope's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But before 1752, Britain and her empire followed the Julian calendar. Oh, all right. right. So basically, the, the Gregorian calendar had been coming in probably all, all over Europe at that time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Since 1582. But we, yeah, but we weren't. We were still sticking with the Julian calendar, right? <laughs> and this calendar was first implemented by Julius Caesar in 46 wow, BC. Wow, we've had it all that time. No wonder we were sticking with it. God, it's, a, it's an oldie, isn't it? Yeah, that's why, old, why, why Fixbot's not broken exactly. sort of thing, you know. But it was broken. Ah. This calendar had an inbuilt error of one day every 128 years. <laughs> wow, how? <laughs> Due to a miscalculation of the solar year by 11 minutes. Oh, and it adds up to that. Yeah. that long. So this affected the date of Easter, traditionally observed on 21st of March, as it began to move away from the spring equinox with each passing year. <laughs> so that it was just slowly yeah, by the yeah, shifting yeah. away and people getting a bit pissed off, which doesn't sound much, but if it's been around since 46 BC, <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of time. Yeah, you can really yeah. funny things around, you know. So to get over this problem, the Gregorian calendar was introduced. And this is a solar calendar based on a 365-day year, divided into 12 months. Each month consists of 30 or 31 days, with one month, February, consisting of 28. A leap year every four years adds an extra day to February, making it 29 days long. Mm -hmm. First to adopt the new calendar uh, were France, Italy, Poland, Portugal and Spain. Uh, And then after that, sort of like a... (laughs) The last last country to, to adopt it has been Turkey. And when do you think Turkey adopted it? <laughs> so the 1582, we got it in 1752. 1900. Not, not, that's oh. really good, 1927. Oh, God! <laughs> 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 Stubborn, yeah. some, oh, go on then. <laughs> 
So the Calendar New Style Act of 1750 introduced the Gregorian calendar to the British Empire, bringing Britain into line with most of Western Europe. Mm -hmm. Its introduction was not straightforward. It meant that the year 1751 was a short year. Lasting just 282 days. <laughs> just to catch up and get it all right again. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. Yeah. that's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. And the year 1752 then began on January the 1st, sort of thing. Yeah. So, you know. There remained the problem of aligning the calendar in use in England with that in use of Europe. And it was necessary to kind of recorrect it again yeah. uh, by 11 days. And it's and they call them these like the lost days. Right. So I have a calendar. Just so, it was decided that Wednesday the second of September <laughs> would be followed by Thursday the fourteenth of September. Oh, wow! Right. At least it followed on Thursday. You know, if they just said right Wednesday, it's Saturday. <laughs> but, but then what happened was the everybody kicked off. Huh? They rioted. Wow! <laughs> because and they were rioting, chanting, "Give us our eleven days! Give us eleven <laughs> days!" They thought the government had nicked eleven oh, days. Oh wow! And that's their life. They've literally, oh god, that's bizarre. Yeah. Like the government's got them. Like yeah. yeah. So they're kicking off like mad. So there was a, a, a stolen Tory campaign banner with the slogan, "Give us our eleven days." Can be seen in the lower right-hand corner of William Hogarth's. I mean, Hogarth's a great artist, right? Yeah. Called an election entertainment. <laughs> and he, and he, that's this banner can be seen in Wow. Banner, you know what I mean? Give us our 11 days. Give us our 11 days. They just kicked off like mad. So imagine like today, on this day, that's yeah. what was happening. Wow. Uh, in 1752. Yeah. Everyone was kicking off, carrying on alarming, uh, chucking some smashing windows. And just see one poor old bloke would die and just like, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Could have had another 11. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that was the mindset of yeah. it, you know. So we lost eleven days. You know? Oh, that's so we such think a good things tale. are bad going on now, don't yeah, we? You know yeah. what I mean? But there, they were just losing days left, right, and centre. It's always a beautiful thought before calendars and not having that structured day or days at week. It must have been nice, you know. You know the seasons coming, you know. The trees are looking a bit autumn now, and you know what I mean. It must yeah, be we nice. have had that now. It's called COVID lockdown. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to a bloody calendar for about three months. <laughs> <laughs> Very true, we've had a taste of that, yeah, that's where I imagined it, yeah. <laughs> all our beers in boat there don't we mm. that's not good it's is it? not good at all you know what we need is a bit of light refreshment don't we tasty yeah and he's a guy who likes a bit of refreshment this man drinks up to seven pints of his own urine every day oh <laughs> how do you that's a disgusting cycle is that do you do seven pints a piece i don't think i do this is what amazed me about yeah. this is what drew me to this headline oh and this well, is maybe you start he's kind of worked his way up he's I just know. like oh God, can you imagine what orange it is by the end? Uh, <laughs> the I hope one. he's drinking something else as well. He ain't just he's dumb. Oh, that's a dirty cycle. Well, let's have a little. Let's have a little find out what's kicking <laughs> off with this guy then. So yeah, this is for from Ellen Scott of the Metro, right? Jan Schoenman, twenty six, has a rather unusual habit. He likes to drink pints of his own urine. <laughs> oh, me feel a bit gippy. Oh, and he also smears said urine on his skin. And he puts it in his eyes. Oh, is he like tanning him? Was it when you do it with leather? Like, like isn't tanning it? leather. You remember uh, that's what he says. What a stinky! And he says, "Why, you may ask." Sports coach and student Jan or Jan claims the practice is benefits his mental and physical health. <laughs> so smearing himself and putting piss in his own eyes, he says it's helping his mental health. Oh, I don't think it, it is. It's his kinky health. Yeah. Isn't it? Jan from Hamburg, Germany has always been willing to try new and unusual techniques to boost his well-being. When he was 14, he started kickboxing, and then discovered the ancient martial art of Kalari Payatsu, right? also known as Kalari, which encourages discipline, respect, mental and physical strength, patience, humility, and promotes a search for peace. Now, I think he's got a spelling mistake there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so give it all up and he's got into golden showers. Yeah. 
He, he meant to be looking for peace. He just found piss. <laughs> <laughs> it just took him off a yeah. wrong road. So while engaging in this practice, Jan also discovered Shivambu Kalpa, or urine therapy, back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Oh. The concept suggests that the body is a self-sustaining vehicle and that urine consumption allows the body to heal itself. Jan embraces the idea wholeheartedly, and since then he has consumed between three and seven pints of his own waz every day. Can you imagine? No, I couldn't. You're just getting it down is going to be hard, but slopping around with it all in your belly. <laughs> you have to drum upstairs. Really full. Oh. And then you go, I need to, I mean, does he not... I don't know how he gets it. Is he just is he bothering going to the toilet? Oh, if I just like, have a, like just reaches or something, just straight sucks it's, it down his own straw. <laughs> just like one of those snakes that you see eating its own it's tail. <laughs> and it says here he also ingests his own pee through his eyes, nose, ears, and skin. Applying it with a syringe. Oh, what do you mean? Like squirting it on his eyes? He's not jacking it up, I is he? I don't think. I, no, I don't think. I think he's just kind of squirting it in his ears. And, <sighs> what a fun roommate, wasn't it? Imagine that? what he fucking smells oh, like. Take it single, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Jan <laughs> claims that doing urine therapy means he never gets sick, has more energy, and he's in the best physical shape of his life. He says he only needs four hours sleep a night because his energy levels are so high. Yeah, you mental. He's helped remedy his depression, he's reckoning here. He says here, I just started and tried it and straight away the benefits were so amazing that I knew I wanted to continue. I was kind of depressed and disconnected from myself. And it really helped me to go in and dive deeper into my own consciousness. Good grief. So he, he was lost, wasn't he? And then he's got obsessed with something. And yeah. he's got proper, proper obsessed with That's it. what's happened. Yeah. That's yeah. what's happened. Yeah, he, he, he can't see that. Yeah. He can't see that. Well, I'm, not, can. I'm not being funny with Germany, no, but it ain't like a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no offence, Germany. Yeah, lovely, lovely country. Lovely. Lovely, lovely. people. But they know? do like the poo-poo and their wee-wee. They do. They're a bit obsessed with all that sort of stuff, <laughs> aren't they? Even, apparently, German toilets, aren't they? They're even designed differently. And they've even got like a special... It's got like a little special plate mm-hmm. on it, aren't they? You know? I think quite a lot of European countries have got that plate, the inspection plate. Oh, dear me. I mean... I, I I'll be that... rolfing on my own stools oh, if yeah. I were to look it. I don't want to look at it. Getting up and turning around a right good old look at your big old Massive job it is. <laughs> I, I want it straight down new pipe, one shot like a brown trout, and I yeah. never see it again. <laughs> I mean, get it out or out, you know what I mean? What's all that about? Probably with a pencil, see <laughs> yeah. I know what I've eaten, it's probably not good anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's it. So, no, I'm not up for any of that. No. Nope. You know. So, Jan doesn't do anything fancy to his urine before he drinks it. What, what do you mean by fancy? Well, like making cocktails out of it and stuff like that. <laughs> Oh, gone. gone. The flipping piss fizz and the flipping, I don't know, like a Brandy Alexander. Oh, no. He just pees it into a glass and gulps it up. Oh, God. Sometimes he leaves his urine to age, which he says increases its powers. So you can imagine what it would be like have a thin crust of a load of flies on top of it. Oh, no. Give me what his top lip looks like. Why is he rubbing all of his skin as oh wow? The smell. The smell. And he's he's so he's, he's saying here now, I have a better quality of life since doing this. But this is all about balance. I have to remind myself that I still live in this society. My consciousness has developed and I, I barely have to sleep. <laughs> You don't have to prepare anything when you ingest urine. You you can even age it, which makes it even more potent and powerful. Oh dear! He's, he's, he's saying he hardly needs to sleep now. 
He's drinking his piss. He needs sectioning. Yeah, it's madness. He That's just, what he's done. He's basically he? got glassed up with you, and he? Just laughing in the mirror at yeah. four in the morning. Can you imagine how what? worried his parents are. Oh, my God. What's that story? Remember that old folk tale with that goat, and he, he, and he eats all fucking piggies or something, and then they, they slice his belly open and they fill it full of rocks. What's that one? You remember that one? Oh, it's a wolf. Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. He's yeah. eating all goats, isn't he? Yeah. And they're, well, it's going to be him with all kidney stones. One day he's just going to stop and think, what's that what's grinding? That oh, grinding. <laughs> and he's just a full bladder full of stone. He can't. He's got to do it, he's, he's got to do Thing is, how old must some of this pee be that's going through him? Oh, is it ammonia, the smell? Because <laughs> okay. it, it's the... It, is it that... If you're drinking seven pints of it, you haven't got room to drink out else, have you? Yeah, that's it. There's no water going in anymore, is it? It's just flowing like... through. It's like, it's like a central eating system, isn't oh, it? It's a closed like, loop. It's <laughs> an orange treacle. Oh, it takes oh. longer and longer to drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as long as it is to pee out now. Oh. It comes out like honey. <laughs> oh, he ain't got long, has he there? No, you're not. So his kidneys are going to pack in. Exactly. His kidneys are going to pack in, and then he's going to get taken away. He's going to be sectioned, and then he's going to come around in a few years' time and say, "God, why didn't anybody stop me?" Yeah, <laughs> that's what he's going to yeah. be. <laughs> he's paraded yourself around the yeah. press instead, that's dude. It. Just seeing him totally taking the piss in it. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's a bad one, isn't it? That joke. <laughs> It kind of annoys me, you know. You get somebody like that, you know. Here he's twenty-six year old, been doing all this yoga and bending around, covering mm-hmm. himself his own his own piss and stuff. He's faffing about, isn't he? Yeah, That's yeah, what gets yeah. me. He's faffing about. <laughs> he's not getting stuck in. He's not getting anywhere in life, is he? Yeah. He's just bending himself around. I don't think he'll have a job, will he? I don't. He, he calls so. himself some sort of Zen master. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's just, he just doesn't need it. Doesn't need to go to the shops, does he? No. Well, he won't, he won't let him in, will he? <laughs> pissy Eric coming in here, whatever he's called. You know what I mean? No. So here's an idea of somebody with a proper work ethic. Mm. Now, here's somebody with a work ethic that you've really got to admire. Um, and this is Alfred Zeck. Well, Have you ever heard of Alfred Zeck? I certainly haven't. Alfred Zeck, also known as Alfred Czech, but it's not really, right, was born in 1932. And he was a German child soldier who received the Iron Cross second class at the age of 12. Oh. <laughs> God. <laughs> and that's a work ethic, isn't it? Right? Can I guess it? Go on. Were you a tunneler? No. Oh, right. Fair play. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. then, right? Why the hell do they want a 12 year old? Well, Zek was born in Goldenauer, Upper Silesia, right? Um, which is uh, just outside Poland. It's part of Poland then. Cool. But, you know, the, obviously they annexed Poland, Poland taking it over, mm-hmm. called it Germany again. Yeah. And there you go. Not very nice. Right. And as a boy, he joined the Deutsche Jungvolk. Right, which is the German young people, I think it is. Yeah, That's yeah, what it sort of translates as. In early 1945, Goldenau was under attack by advancing elements of the Soviet Red Army. Zek, then aged 12 years old, witnessed a dozen German soldiers injured by mortar fire. Against the wishes of his mother, he commandeered his father's farm cart and drove it to where the wounded men had been pinned down by Soviet fire. Ferrying eight of them to safety. And this is, like I said, this is under heavy fire oh he did this. Zek then made a return trip to rescue the four men left oh, behind. dude. According to Zek, a German general appeared at the family farm several days after the incident, invited the boy to travel to Berlin for an audience with Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and there, on the March the 20th, he joined a number of other Jungvolk members from across Germany was decorated by Hitler with the Iron Cross second class. At a celebratory banquet held that evening, Zeck was asked if he wanted to return home or join the German <laughs> military forces at the front. <laughs> at the front? Oh, the cruel guests. They should have treated him right there. According to Zeck, he volunteered for frontline oh, service. He's as a kid, it sounds ace, isn't it? I'm that good, you want me up front? Yeah. That's ace. Do you want a little look at him? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, uh, show you. That. Look at him. 
Oh, I was expecting like a, a right bruise. You think, God, is he 12? He's got a beard, but no, he looks no. like a 12-year-old. It does. It just looks a like a bit haunted as well, doesn't he? No wonder he's been brought up as a bloody Nazi, poor lad. Mm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he volunteered for frontline service. Following an accelerated training program, oh, right, Zek joined a German fighting unit in Freudenthal in what is now currently Czech Silesia. He was shot and wounded in combat and made a prisoner of war, but was released in 1947, two years later, right, at the age of 14. Oh my god, who got him, Ruskies? Yeah, looks like it, so he's in bad, they're going to be bad shape there. So after his release, because they didn't ship anybody home, they had to walk home. (laughs) He walked 250 miles back to his family home. On arrival, learning that his father had been killed while fighting in the Volkssturm during his absence. Oh, this is an happy tale, Arkid. Gee whiz. (laughs) (laughs) But as an adult, Zek joined the Polish United Workers' Party in order to receive leave to emigrate. And in 1964, he settled in West Germany, where for the rest of his life he worked as a labourer. Oh, wow. But then, in 2011, he died, right? But he left behind ten kids he had. Oh, cool. You know, but I mean, to be fair, though, I mean, he's, if you think about everything he crammed into his early yeah, life, he you didn't life. want any excitement later. Yeah, yeah, let me just labour, not yeah, think, he, unplug a bit. He's, in, he's, yeah. he's seen things which, you know, you can't even imagine. Yeah. Because let's face it as well, if you're a German prisoner of war, mm. at the age, between the ages of 12 and 14 in a prison camp, Oh, things aren't going to be nice for him, are they? Ow. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know mm. what I mean? And then, after all that, to have to walk 250 miles home, poor little sod. <laughs> that is such a pitiful thing, a little little stick yeah. with an anky on it. You know, off he trots. I, I didn't, he must have got it wrong a few times and got lost, you know what I mean? He ain't going to do like, oh. as a bird. Well, that, that, I said, that walk alone will have been full of perhaps yeah. terrible adventures. Because yeah. even if you... At the best estimate, you're walking 25 miles a day, which I don't think you would be because you've been starved in a prison in a yeah. war camp for a while. But even then, it'd be 10 days. You can yeah. do, you can go, I bet this was like a three week journey. Yeah, home, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Poor little sod. Ah, he's yeah. just evil. Well, the reason... well done, Adolf. Go to the front, lad. Well, that's part of the thing, the reason that there was an issue, you see, because what it was, towards the end, there's no men left. Yeah, I've heard that in yeah. Berlin. So they just, just got all the old men to fight. Yeah. And the kids, and that's what this last man they said, wasn't it? We yeah. just got to do it to the last man. That's it, last man, last bullet. And again, like we said last time, he, he just chipped to Argentina, didn't he? You know yeah, he I mean? was already on his jolly bobs, wasn't he? <laughs> See you, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you, bye. It was grim, yeah. Cheers up, Arky. Yeah, cheers up. Here's the headline. Cops and villagers flee businessman's goblins. <laughs> <laughs> businessman's goblins. So there's a businessman and he's got goblins. He's and he's got released yeah. them or something. Yeah. Well, this is about a story by Danisa Masuku for B-Metro. I shouldn't say it like that, should I? I don't know who it was. For B-Metro in Zimbabwe. So we're all we're off to Africa for this Cool. Yeah, here we go. Villagers and two police officers scurried for cover after they allegedly stumbled on goblins in a businessman's suitcase while searching for poison that allegedly led to the death of several community members' dogs. Wow, what a <laughs> sentence that is! Well, if I'm ever going to get a tattoo or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> You'll get some rubber up your arm in, in like yeah, fancy scripts. Yeah. That's beautiful. The businessman. Sanderson Bloom Shawayashi, who runs a grinding mill at Laputi Business Center. <laughs> I'm hoping it's not a lap dancing thing. Yeah. <laughs> grinding, yeah. In, um, in Lapote Business Center in Dete is the eye of a storm, as he is being also accused 
of digging a grave of one of his wife's relatives. <laughs> so this, this is this is this guy's chaos. Isn't it? <laughs> the businessman, however, has vehemently denied the accusations. A source who spoke to B Metro on condition of anonymity said villagers were up in arms with a businessman after their dogs mysteriously died after getting into his homestead. Well, the, yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> Africa. Come yeah, on, yeah. you're just gonna let it in. Oh, it's yeah, a yeah. bowl of milk or something. So worried about that, the source went on to say villagers enlisted the services of police officers from Dete Police Base, who accompanied them back but were gripped with fear when they opened the businessman's suitcase. They were shocked when they saw strange beings, which they believed were goblins, and were seen running for their dear lives. He just keeps them in his suitcase. Yes. Not an apple and a file of facts. He's got well, like goblins. <laughs> Business goblins. <laughs> Business goblins. <laughs> what do you reckon, goblins? Hungry <laughs> 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 little suitcase. <laughs> The source added that this was not the first time the businessman had been accused of, biz- of a bizarre incident. <laughs> oh God, yes. Most recently, he was seen by villagers digging a grave of a relative of his wife. He fled from the scene, leaving his shoes, <laughs> which were used as Exhibit A, and the issue was taken to Chief Nelokoba, and after a full trial, the chief ordered him to leave the area. But he denied vehemently that he was the one who was seen desecrating a grave. The source added that Shamu Yashi said the chief should enlist the services of a witch hunter, probably known as Sikamatandas, to come and sniff out the witch, saying that if Sikamatandas catch someone else, he would take the villagers and the chief mm. to task. So he'd knack them. All right. So, so that's what yeah, he said. Yeah. He said he's basically said, it's not me. Get yourself a witch hunter in. They'll yeah. find the witch. They'll sort it all out. And you two lot then can bloody suck my hairy ball back. <laughs> <laughs> the source went on to say, in, in fear of the invisible beings, community members now shun his services. So they're not getting any of the grinding done with them anymore. That's all out of windows, that. Yeah, lap dancing clubs over. Yeah, that's it. But what do the goblins look like? But, you know, they, don't, they don't really describe. <laughs> they don't really say, you know. The businessman's wife, Bessie Undlovu, who works for a safari company, mm-hmm. nailed him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Private business, law. I heard that police officers and villagers saw strange things at our homestead when police were investigating a case of dogs dying mysteriously. I will no longer stay with him because he was caught digging a grave of my younger sister. He ran away and left shoes at the gravesite. She added, The issue did not go down well with my parents. (laughs) The matter was taken to Chief Nelikoba, who, after a full trial, ordered us to vacate the place but my husband refused to leave. <laughs> this is exciting stuff. It's exciting, isn't it? So it's like, so Shamu Yashi said, there is no goblin that they saw. I even advised village head Simanyai, former councillor, my father-in-law, and other villagers to enlist the services of Sikamatundas to root out such goblins. I told them that if they fail to root out such invisible things, they have to give me a beast. <laughs> what? What beast? Don't I tell you what, you know, like I hate EastEnders, Home and Away, and all that sort of stuff. If there's an African with all this sort of stuff in it, you know I what I mean? I'll be watching I that. I just want it straight away. I want it straight away. <laughs> it seems so normal to them, though, doesn't it? Goblins and beasts. I know, and but what, shoes what? left exhibit A and B. <laughs> They failed to root out such invisible things. Now he's turned around and he, nobody was saying the goblins were invisible. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a player, though, isn't it? He's a player. And he's turned around and said, because of that, he's going to have to give him a beast. <laughs> he's got some arm. I, I personally think he probably is a witch, this guy is. <laughs> I think so. He's, he's got invisible goblins and he wants a beast. <laughs> what if he's so got his shoes back? <laughs> probably doesn't need him. He's got cloven hooves. <laughs> yeah. Come on. He's the great beast. <laughs> what are we going to do with sister-in-law? Oh, it's not going to be nice, is well, it? Well, no, because they did a lot of digging up for body parts and stuff like this, for like voodoo powders. And oh, like grinding mill. We've nailed him, our oh, kid. Oh, that's what he is. Yeah, Jesus, he's magic look. man. So what we don't want to be careful is that we, I don't think we'll be messing with a guy like this, do we? <laughs> no, the last thing we need is a bloody suitcase full of goblins. 
as we're tinkering around with the grave. We're <laughs> running around islands, lots of invisible goblins and beasts. <laughs>
Lecter's liver and fava beans. <laughs> and Aztec human stew. <laughs> For anyone who wants to vicariously participate in one of the great Aztec customs, the human sacrifice. <laughs> Sadly, Hufu did close up shop in 2006, and Nichols said, The world has moved on past Hufu. And the writer puts here, Well, I didn't, Mark. There's a Hufu-sized hole in my soul that can never be filled. And if you ever read this and you still have some classic strips tucked away in a box somewhere, or even a t-shirt, taking up space in the closet somewhere, hit me up. My cannibal fork is on standby. So the thing you have there, right, is... They've not said how they found out yeah. what it tastes like. They must have found out some way or another. And the passion, they've got a lot of passion for this, haven't they? You know what I mean? Well, it's not easy to rattle off this sort of stuff out of tofu, is it? Yeah, it's not. To get the texture right. And it's that jump away. I've eaten like, I've eaten a rat, I've eaten a um, giant toad, I've eaten snakes. You've eaten a giant toad? Yeah, it was <laughs> fucking grim. Uh, giant snails as well. Uh, You've eaten giant snails? Yeah, I don't, I, that's, that's the bit where I couldn't do, mate. I, couldn't, I was literally wanting to gip straight away. Because I struggle with a well look at seaside and, uh, sometimes. All intestines, I've done all that sort of stuff. And when it comes to it, though, you know, when people say, oh, it tastes like chicken, tastes like, and it doesn't taste like chicken, and it doesn't taste like pork, and they've gone straight for this kind of, Specific kind of bit with beef, aren't yeah. they? You know what I mean? It's like soilent green in it. They yeah. know exactly what it tastes like. They uh, it's, it's human. They've had human. In fact, I don't think they're feeding them tofu. I think hoofu. Yeah, just people. It's just people. That's oh. what it is. Look at a big kick out of just sending it around the world. There you go. Oh, it's it's a bit like, was it Fight Club where he was like, rendering people down yeah. in soap? You know? <laughs> I think that's what we've got there. The hoofu is not. Vegan. Yeah, man, that's oh. pure fleshy flesh. Man, they, say that, they do say that the theory behind a lot of things is there's no such thing as a vegan food. Oh, right. Yeah, because the, how they have to redo the soil, because it's intensive farming. Yeah. So the only way to actually get the soil prepared back for another crop again is blood. Blood and bone meal. Ah. That's it, you see. So you're feeding blood and bone into the soil. Oh, the plants are feeding off of blood and bone, a bit like, you know. Right. And they, they go, you're going to, oh, they're all enjoying the flipping fava beans or whatever. <laughs> slippery slope. <laughs> slippery is a slippery slope. <laughs> Well, it's a bit of a sad do you see, isn't it? It was getting towards the end of Kraken Cove for one day. Mm-hmm. And it's we've got no boat. Oh, no. And I'm going to start saving straight away from that. And you need get me copper keep... jar on and go again. Oh, no. And keep keep going your little mm. boat weekly. You know, yeah. That'll be okay. That, that but, little boat might be out there somewhere for me. It'll be just out there somewhere. I'm sure it is. But you see, I think we've got a little story, a proper story to cheer you up now. Ooh. Nothing too... Oh, goblins are fun, and it? <laughs> yeah, you know? I did like that goblin one. Yeah. But what do you... Do with a penguin who's lonely, who's got no friends. Aww. What do you do? With Cuddle it. it. <laughs> Take it home. But you need, need his own kind of bit as well, don't you? You could paint yourself up a bit. I don't know. I'll tell you what they do do. They let him watch Pingu on an iPad. <laughs> oh, you're joking. Yeah. Oh, nice. This is a story by Callum Leslie for Newsbeat. For Newsbeat. So a penguin watching Pingu on an iPad to stop him feeling lonely should be the ultimate evidence we really can expect anything in 2020. <laughs> but it's actually happened in Perth Zoo in Australia. A penguin who's been called Pierre. Oh, Pierre Penguin. Because why not at this point? Yeah. <laughs> was found washed up on a beach in the southwest of the country. He's an endangered northern rockhopper penguin. And the only one in care anywhere in the whole of Australasia. Wow. Pierre's keepers, who we assume are the ones taking care of the Netflix subscription, (laughs) were worried he'd not get enough socialising while he gets healthy enough to return to the wild. (laughs) So they're showing him the cartoon, along with other live streams of other rock hoppers from around the world. Yeah, that makes better sense. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Would you like to look at at Pierre watching? Oh, oh, yes! (laughs) (laughs) Pierre. 
reason to give you a little fella like an Oh, in full force, it's sung out. Oh, look, he's loving it, and his little yeah, wings are up. Loving it. And, and he's on his rock, look, he's on his rock. He's happy as old. Oh. And if you're interested in seeing this picture, we're going to put it up on uh, Twitter, at Kraken Cove, and on Instagram, at Kraken Cove Pod. So have a little bit of a follow there. It's and, adorable. Yeah. So every Friday, what I tend to do is I put a few images of this uh, of the show up there for you as well. Have a little look at it as you listen along, you know. But yeah, so we're going to pop a picture of Pierre. They're watching Pingu, you know. <laughs> and Pierre should be in the Indian or sub-Antarctic oceans at this point. Daniel Henry from the zoo tells Radio One News Beat. He's not meant to be here, and he wasn't in the best health when he came to us. She says. Pierre's feathers are meant to molt once a year, which means they fall out as a brand new lot grow in. But they aren't really doing that at the minute. It means Pierre isn't waterproof. And you don't have to be an expert to see how that could be a problem for a penguin. We think he's about a first year bird, so he's only one year old. Yeah? So he's really quite young, says Danielle. And for some reason his new feathers got halfway through and just completely stopped. Pierre can't swim. He can't fish for himself, so he needs a helping hand. Fucking I'll donate, man. You've yeah. got me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the science, but the big question you've been asking since we started this story is, does he like Pingu? Because <laughs> he'll be showing it to me. Bloody He's only it. one, yeah. isn't he? Everybody loves Pingu at that age. Daniel says he absolutely loves it. <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't realise that Pingu is a penguin. He's just responding to the colour and the movement. From his behaviour, we can all tell he's enjoying it. He's vocalising really well. And that's exactly what we wanted him to do, so that's great. <laughs> vocalising with yeah, Pingu. Yeah, he's doing <laughs> Pingu impressions himself. So they, but they do, plan to get, um, uh, they do plan to get Pierre back into the wild. But experts have told them it could take two to four rounds of molting before wow, he gets it right. You know, yeah. It, yeah. In the meantime, we're hoping we can get him into another zoo where there are other rockhopper penguins. That might not be a bad plan for Pierre, because while a quick search tells us there are 157 epo- episodes of Pingu out there, they last for just five minutes. You don't, I, you don't want him watching reruns, Jesus. No, you don't want that, <laughs> no, but we'd get really pissed off of Pierre, won't we? And after living with lockdown, we're confident enough to say that any binge watching can get pretty repetitive, even in Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> I love a bit of Pingu. It's brilliant. It's so good. Yeah, it's so, it's good. so good. So he's having a bit of fun there, is Pierre, isn't he? In the end. <laughs> he he's little flappy his little wings. Watching Pingu. You can tell he loves it. He does tell he a loves bit it. Of Pingu, it? I think that's great, is that, you know. <laughs> we could do with a bit of Pingu at the moment. Over Ooh. here, a bit of a, can you imagine them looking underwater to see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. See, what, see what's happening round here. A little Pingu spy. And that's the last one, because we need to sort out, work out what's going on. That's what we definitely need to do. But, I mean, you know, with your boat underwater and everything, and, well, you, it looks underwater. Look out the window. It's getting uh, washing back in. It's washing back in. It's being pushed back in. It's up on shore. Do you know who's brought it back? The dolphins. No way. Because the dolphins have nosed it ashore. Oh, bless him, my boat's back. Oh, that's the dolphins are at it. Well, I think, do you know what I think it is? I think they've seen the bloody orcas kicking off. Yeah. And they don't like, I mean, because they're a bit playful, the dolphins. Yeah. They don't like the thuggery of the orcas, do they? You know what I mean? <laughs> thuggery. <laughs> <laughs> so, what well, I think what me and you need to do now, we need to get back down that shore, pull the boat up, and I'll give you a bit of Andrew a pair. Exactly. Know? And if there's any fish left, we can give them to dolphins. Which of them to dolphins? They can't have the bloody beers, though. No. Because no, no. them right monkeys will get pissed up, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> It'll kick off all over again, won't it? <laughs> so, it's only for me to say a big goodbye from Crack and Co from Matt and it's a big Benny bye bye from Benny (laughs) take care guys see you later Instagram at Kraken Cove Pod. Ha ha!